Podcast, the only podcast that'll tell you to chase your dreams, call you out on all your bullshit, myself included. I'm your host, John Cerrone. This week, we got Brandon K. Chuck here to talk about recovery, sobriety, wellness, and all that other good stuff, uh, inspiring a motivational story about what led him to change his life and get back on his horse, start caring about you know everything that is mental, physical, emotional well-being. Uh, he's also one of the members of the band Toad. Uh, they were on a couple weeks ago to talk about how music is an important part of wellness. Don't forget to listen to that episode, also a good one. Uh, so this week with Brandon's going to be a good one. I think that the following week we're going to have a solo podcast. So for all you people that don't really enjoy the solo podcast, you don't have to listen to it. I don't really give a shit. Going to be taking a different route on that one other than just updates on my life. Got something planned. Uh, I think I will be up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Uh, for some well-needed creativity time out in nature, which kind of spurred me to do a solo podcast. Uh, so that should be coming out in a couple weeks. So stay tuned for the rest of the episode. And uh, yeah, stay up and feel free. Um, so let's see, where where do I... You want to give me a, a general question to get us kicked off? General uh, theme? When did, your, when did your journey with addiction start? Yeah, man. Journey with addiction started back in the day. Uh, I believe I was 15 years old. And, you know, it, it's, it all started with a, a magical plant called marijuana, which that can't be addicting because it's a plant, right? So so that was the thought. But man, I, I really, I look back at it. I'm like, there was no one that liked smoking weed as much as I did at that, at that point. You know, social group, social setting uh, by myself. And it got to a point to where like, I remember when, um, I first really got like a pretty good high from, from marijuana as a 15 year old. And I was like, this, this is it. Like this solves my feeling of sadness, of isolation, anxiety. Like that was my cure for a while. Right. And uh, it wasn't very sustainable given the fact that, I mean, it smells, you know, your parents find out you, you, you can't sustain, have a sustainable life and just, just constantly, um, be smoking weed all the time or doing any drugs for that matter. But it was very socially acceptable among my peers in, uh, in high school. So dealt with that for a while, man. Um, 16, you know, started drinking a little bit, experimenting with Xanax, um, benzos, uh, did some drinking. It wasn't long before. And uh, this is all like just going to be kind of like rough estimate timelines. But, uh, right. you know, eventually that led into some serious just I had a lot of conflict with my parents, right? They, uh, they were not, they don't come from, I guess, a real, a real history of, of like drug use. You know, they did, they were eighties teenagers. So they did some partying and drinking and that was kind of always the more socially acceptable thing, but they were never, uh, marijuana users or drug users. So it was really, it was really difficult on them to know that I was doing this stuff. And, uh, it created a lot of like animosity and distrust and, uh, that eventually led to an inpatient rehab. I went to rehab when I was an adolescent, uh, 16 years old. I was either 15, I, I was, I believe I was 16 the first time. Uh, had some sobriety for about three months. Ended up going back, ran away from home, did that whole charade when I was about 17. Ran away from home, uh, failed out of high school for a quarter. Like I remember just being like, fuck you, fuck you. I, I just completely checked out, man. And that wasn't like me. I was always someone who cared about performing well, at least academically. I wasn't so much an athlete. I was, but I was very interested in school and projects and presentations. And that was kind of like, I got a lot of enjoyment out of that. So uh, went, went to school, got like a 0.0. Eventually I agreed to going back to, uh, to rehab, that was actually the second time I went back. I recall it was a very bad, uh, bad mushroom trip, dude. <laughs> that, that oh. Mushrooms can do that shit to you, right? They could, uh, they could really be spooky. It was, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times, right? Uh, the tale of two mushrooms, as I like to put it. So, uh, I stayed with my uncle, and I remember, like, my parents. You know, they they were obviously in contact with the school therapists, people within, you know, the adolescent psychology community. 
And, you know, they learned like the best thing you can do to get your son back is to like use love, right? Not like anger and force and to just kind of put, put that love in. So I stayed with my uncle for a week when I was runaway. He was driving me to school and uh, they had like a family photo album and I bought like a quarter ounce of mushrooms prior to staying with him. And I remember like, oh, I'm going to trip balls at his place and grab a bunch of orange juice. Mind you, like this is a time where I'm obviously in a very bad spot. In my life. Dude, the, the orange juice, <laughs> yes. like with the shroom. Oh man, yeah. that's that spot. So I was 17, runaway, depressed, hated my life, failing out of school, angry as fuck at my parents, angry at myself. Um, you know, no sense of direction. And I ate, I ate a bunch of mushrooms and I chugged that orange juice. And dude, that was a fucking scary night. I started seeing the devil in the walls at his place. And I, I cried, I cried myself to sleep that night. So I, I was Jeez. going through the photo album, like pictures of me and my fam. It was just like a bad, it was a very good thing to happen, but bad thing to happen. Um, so I called my mom and I was like, I, I'll go to rehab. Just get me the fuck out of here. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta do something. And uh, so that was the catalyst for that, man. You know, there were periods of sobriety after that, my high school graduation was was dry, so I was in intensive outpatient with uh, other people my age that were teenagers looking to get sober. There was a lot of Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, 12-step programs that I was involved in at that age, and uh, groups, group social settings, social groups. Um, through that time period, I had been to roughly 10 to 20 funerals of people my age that have died from drug overdoses. I, you know, going into college, I lost my best friend at the time, Steve Sharon, um, rest in peace from, from a heroin overdose from, he met a girl when he was in rehab that was a recovering heroin addict and she relapsed and he got into the dope and ended up killing himself. It had to be one of the first times of him using it. So that was rough. And, uh, yeah, went to college, kind of started back up, right. Started back up with the weed freshman year. Uh, I believe that's around the time when I met you. We were kind of out doing our own that, things, party scene a little bit. And uh, that is when I met yeah, you. Yeah, was, was a we, we, there's some other characters that were involved in that story as well. And it was that was a wild and fun year. I was able to sustain a level of success academically uh, using the, I guess you could call it the <clears throat> moderated marijuana alcohol. Dude, I fuck. I was doing everything though. I start. I was yeah. I was doing a lot of shit. Yeah. Too. I was taking pills like, but I believe like I had gone so hard in high school that I'm like, okay, like I can, I was able to sustain at least good grades, right? That's what it was. I wasn't very active in extracurricular, uh, you know, I wasn't doing community service and shit, but I was doing the fuck out of class. So I probably got like a 3.5, 3.6 grade point average freshman year, right? I started studying Mandarin Chinese, which became a real interest of mine. So as I would go around, like everyone liked to smoke all the time at Grand Valley, right? So we would go take cruises. Right. We'd go to people's houses. If I was at your house smoking weed with you, I had my fucking Chinese book in my hand. And I was studying Mandarin. I was doing my homework. Everyone make fun of me. I'm like, dude, we smoke so much weed that I literally have to take all my homework with me and do it while we get high. And it worked for me. I figured <laughs> it out. So I learned I learned Chinese while I was high for, for a year. Uh, and that was – so that was sustainable – Got into MDMA pretty hardcore that uh, yep. following summer. That was the summer of the first electric forest. It was the summer of 2013. We had dabbled yep. into Bitcoin. Bitcoin was around $60 back then. We were yep. getting a plethora of things through the utilization of Bitcoin <laughs> in marketplaces. And uh, yeah, I thought I was living the life of just a fucking just outlaw king, right. like, you know, ego ego psychedelics lsd dimethyltryptamine like you you name like it was a unreal experience it, it was it was crazy there was death lost another friend who had overdosed that summer um fucking so much shit this is and this summer so the summer of 2013 right was the summer of basically i guess you can call it like the summer of love the summer of psychedelics right for for our generation this was when EDM dubstep were becoming more prominent. EDM culture, yeah. right? A lot of these big names. Uh, it was it was a v pivotal moment, like in in society. So you had all you had this catalyst catalyst for like just a, a perfect storm, right? And uh, I just I went too deep. 
that summer I came back the next year, complete ego death, like extreme depression, uh, no sense of self or who I was just like quite literally afraid of my fucking shadow, like uh, afraid of existing, man. Like there were, there were times where I, I almost checked myself in to a psychiatric institution. And I, I largely attribute that to, uh, well, it wasn't MDMA at the time. It was BK MDMA. It was methylone. Right. Um, but that shit was, that was neurotoxic as fuck. So, um, that was a, a changing point where I, I had made some changes and I was humbled by that. Uh, there was a lot of growth. I, although I, I didn't get sober at that point in life, there was like this feeling of like a rebirth. Like I feel like I changed as a person. I became more aware socially. Uh, I started caring more about other people. And I, I just kind of realized that I'm not, I'm not this God, right? I'm not God. I'm, I'm a human that can be destroyed and, and brought to the point of, of wanting to, to no longer exist. So, right. you know, that was, that was a learning experience. Uh, eventually, man, let's see, where does that put us? Okay. Get back to school, do a couple of years at Grand Valley, fucking still, still using drugs, but stopped using the ecstasy. The ecstasy stopped. There was dabbling in opiates. Oh, I, this is when I kind of want to start getting into cocaine. So yeah, yeah, I was going to say, sure. yeah, because yeah, you might that. have to help me remember yeah. this shit, man. It's like a, you know, because 16 years of after, drug use, like after mm. your junior year at Grand Valley, because I was gone um, for a year when I had failed out. When I came back the second time around at, at Grand oh, yeah. Valley, that was when that was when we started getting closer and started. Hanging was that when out I was at Enclave? Often. Yeah, yeah, that was paranoia. when you were, well, well, first, actually, first, it was when you were in the business college right next to me. That was when I moved in. My parents were helping me move in. And I saw you and Evan. Yeah, that was that was we the year before Enclave. That was yeah. yeah, I'm saying that year started it when when I Correct. came back, then we started hanging out because we were literally in buildings right next yeah. to each other. And then when you moved to Enclave, then we started hanging yeah. out. Um, I came in that year. uh with my my shit together you know on like like you had stated in your story before like i was on the dean's list but i was still partying so yeah. I, it it like reinforced the idea that i knew what i was doing for right? sure and and then it spiraled out of control and well actually we were both there when we were both spiraling yeah so, i know i just i remember I mean, going into your place and just seeing nothing but mist it looked like you because from the fucking vape you had that mod and i would walk in your room i'd be like <laughs> i can't believe the fucking fire alarms aren't going off like Dude, I felt like it was like I was at Rainforest Cafe or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Blueberry Rainforest Cafe. You know, so that, but yeah, so that year, right, it continued. Money was coming in. We'll say that. Money was coming in. Uh, things were happening. I had taken a leadership position within an organization, a, a nonprofit libertarian organization. So that gave me a little bit of purpose outside of some of the unhealthy habits, right? There were all things, things were in motion that, that held me accountable to at least some sort of individuals, right? But nothing, there, there was not much, uh, there weren't healthy habits in terms of my physical and mental and spirit. I mean, how healthy can you be, right? When you're consuming at, at that kind of rate. So uh, yeah. that ended, man, that ended in, okay, another rehab. So first rehab in college, mm-hmm. I got addicted to fentanyl i was addicted to a bunch of shit man i mean i just i just put it out there like at, at one point i remember i was waking up i would take i would take a xanax bar when I, i'd get right out of bed i'd take a xanax bar i would do a, a a little bit of fentanyl out of like this nasal spray that i had do you remember that shit yeah Ow. so i didn't do it no i know you, yeah, i know so, i know you didn't do yeah, it yeah, people yeah. were like what the fuck like that was like yeah, you know nah. and i i wasn't and it wasn't sold to me as fentanyl originally which is fucked up that was sold as oxycodone nasal spray, whatever the fuck that fuck is. Fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, dickhead. Yeah, right. That guy was a dickhead, Could have, you know, like motherfucker. But uh, I yeah, I didn't really give a shit after I had tried it a few times. I was like, I don't care what this is. I like it. And um, there's the Kratom. There's the Kratom, too. That's after. So it's like a lot. Yeah, it's crazy fucking, going yeah. through this. That was the fucking worst, dude. I'm going to put that out there right now for the whole universe because I guarantee you have listeners that – do some sort of harm reduction therapy. There, there's a lot of popular techniques like California sober, like, right, just smoke your weed. I'm a recovering heroin addict or alcoholic and I smoke weed. That's fine, dude. Like, whatever works for you, works for you. 
But if there's one thing I got to say, like, is bad news, Bears, man, it's that Kratom shit. I cannot fucking believe that. I, I can't believe what that did to me. The, the withdrawals from that, I would have been better off withdrawing off a of dope and fentanyl. A hundred percent than withdrawing from Kratom. That's crazy. It was the worst, bro. I grabbed That's a crazy. frying pan. When I'm at my parents' house detoxing from this shit, they wanted me off of it. I wanted off of it too. I was miserable, dude. Mood swings, like, like I can't even believe it. I was taking a lot. Like I was taking a shit ton of it, but you yeah, know, you were. Yeah, dude. But you know, it's <laughs> like bags were big, dude. They were big. I was buying them by the kilos. I was getting them shit from Bali. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I had a guy, dude. <laughs> I had a guy for everything. Like Zach's like, what the fuck? Like four, five kilos of kratom show up to his dad's house. I'm like, listen, bro, it's just a plant. <laughs> classic completely legal you could buy this shit at a fucking smoke shop and uh but the withdrawals were so bad i was on like probably day six i couldn't sleep so i grabbed a frying pan i was at my parents house i grabbed a frying pan i tried knocking myself out i was smashing my my, myself in the face with a frying pan at like four o'clock in the morning man just trying to like i need sleep it was it it drove me mad so i need sleep all right so let's backtrack here so we we enter in (laughs) we enter in to uh, rehab inpatient. This is the third inpatient, right? First time in college. Uh, end up taking a semester off, which like I did not want. I remember being like, I got it. I, I had, I had great grades too. And this was what, this yeah. is the dangerous part. Yeah. Going into that rehab, it was really tough for me to swallow because although I was on a cocktail and a plethora of opiates, benzodiazepines, psychedelics, you, you name it, alcohol, cocaine, I, I was leading two group projects and I had a 3.9 grade point average and I had to, I had to withdraw myself as a medical thing for my own health. I was going to, I was going to fucking die. I, I would have eventually fucking died yeah. for sure. Like you can't, you can't mix, you can't mix cocaine, Xanax, Adderall and fentanyl together and alcohol and expect to live very long. So that's precisely what I was no. doing every day. Right. So Thank God, right? I when I was withdrawing off the fentanyl, I called my mom and I was emotional and I was crying. I was in pain, man. I was in pain bad. She's always been there. Her and my dad have always been there to support me, even though I've I put them through so much shit. And we've had a lot of um, you know, we've had we've had a tough relationship navigating through a lot of these a lot of these problems, right? It's been it's been difficult, right? It's, it's never easy on any family. And uh they've always had my back and they just want, you know, what's best for me. So they got me into treatment. I lived with them in Cadillac, Michigan, when they had a place there for maybe four or five, six months or something like that until I, I honestly can't remember. You know, when you come off of all this stuff too, like there's a period where you, you don't remember, um, even when you get right. clean. Like what I was told, I, my, my, gran, yeah. my grandmother was a recovering addict and she told me that she doesn't remember the first two years after she got sober. Cause I mean, it's completely different. Right. So there's a good chance that yeah. this whole year of my sobriety in the future, I might not really remember that well, cause it's new brain chemistry is settling. Like we just came off a 15 year bender. It does something right. Um, so I get sober ish three months still, once again, only doing it for my loved ones. I felt resentment and animosity that I couldn't go see base nectar. I wanted to go see base nectar's <laughs> Halloween show. And I remember being like, why can't I see Bass Nectar? And like, I was so fucking pissed. I bought my ticket, whatever, and I wanted to go do that. And my dad was like, that's not a good idea. He's right. I, I wouldn't want to now. I mean, well, definitely not see Bass Nectar now, but I wouldn't yeah. want to. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't want to go into that environment right now. Um, and in my, I just, it's not enjoyable. But at that time, I was, you know, no. I, I liked that scene. That's where who my friends were. And, um, so right. that was tough. Went back to school, basically fucking relapsed right away. Uh, started drinking yeah. more cocaine, extreme paranoia. I was with John and like, I could tell stories about that, but it was, it was bad, man. I completely lost my peace of mind. I, I quite literally was so afraid, uh, that I was going to, that I was going to go to fucking prison for the rest of my life. I was, I was fucking scared. I was, I was absolutely horrified, yeah. paranoid. People I knew were getting thrown in prison. Um, it, what I was trying to juggle wasn't sustainable, but so I, I put in a, I put in a semester. I managed to pass my classes. I believe at this point in time, my grades did start tapering. Like it eventually catches up with you. Right. So I was doing enough to, to pass and get through my classes, but I wasn't, I wasn't highly performing. 
I move out of, let's see, this goes on for about another year. I move out of Enclave. Fuck, where are we at, John? So I come back from rehab, and I believe I moved to Enclave. You moved down to... Or was it with e- a Vito? When was I on Vito Street? Because I Did I go from Enclave? When you moved, that was after. That was at you went from Enclave to downtown GR. Yeah. You were living with um your one DJ buddy and yeah. all of his with other Kane. buddies. Yeah. And you only stayed yeah, you only stayed there for a little bit. Yeah. And because that was bad. Then <laughs> Right. Then yeah. I ended up le- I ended up leaving in the fall of twenty seventeen. Uh, cause I was just a raging alcoholic okay. and I only lasted two weeks in class that semester. Two weeks. And then I'm like, okay. I, I have to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. So okay. I don't know where you moved after the Vito. We'll street talk about Vito now. street for a second. So <clears throat> for sure, I'm on Vito street. Uh, I remember just feeling like super depressed. I, I wasn't, ex- I didn't exactly fit in well with my roommates at the time I was, I've always been, I've always been a black sheep and like, but me with the drugs too also makes it like a little bit harder to live with. I would imagine I kept that out of people's faces. But when this, you know, when I'm addicted to cocaine and I'm up at five o'clock in the morning, just constantly smoking cigarettes outside, like probably have an idea that your roommate is like, you know, out of his fucking mind. <laughs> so I never really connected with those guys. I did get in physical shape, which is interesting because a lot of those guys were big fitness people. And so was Kane. Kane was on a huge fitness yeah, thing. It was, so, yeah, it was a weird combo. It was weird, man. So, okay. So yeah, I kind of got my fitness thing. So I lost 40 pounds. Yeah. I got addicted to cocaine and Xanax. I would go work out while I was blackout. I would go to the gym at three o'clock in the morning with two grams of cocaine and I would just do it. And then I would run like two miles and then I would do it and I'd run two miles. Then I'd start lifting. So I was doing coke and exercise. That was my, that was my thing for that year. Um, lost a bunch it's of insane. weight. It was fucked, dude. I seriously just, it's I don't fucked. know why I did that shit to myself. <laughs> like I couldn't, I couldn't just accept. I was like, oh, if I'm going to do cocaine, I'm going to, I'm going to be a good cocaine user. Like, man, it was just so much. (laughs) I didn't, my sleep schedule was so bad for so long. Um, So they eventually wanted me to leave. They wanted me to leave the house. Uh, I understood. And I, well, I was like, what the fuck? It was, I was surprised at the time, but like, you know, I shouldn't have been living there. Honestly, it wasn't a good fit. And I remember being like, okay, this is, this is the worst. It can't get, it can't get much worse than this. So I drive, I've got, uh, probably like a few thousand dollars in my pocket. I'm like, I'm going to go to the casino. I drive to the casino, my car, um, I crashed my fucking Malibu. Like it, it spun out. It was a lot. It wasn't aligned properly when I took it in. So I just smashed, like I spun out on the expressway, smashed into a wall and the car is smoking. And I just remember like, God damn it. So I, I was like, I was so just like over it. I just got out of the car and just started walking home. And some guy comes up to me on the expressway. He's like, Whoa, 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 dude, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's all good, man. I'm just going to go home. Like, I just like over it. I'm like, I don't I'm know. I'm just going to go yeah, home. It's like, dude, I just called the police. Like, you can't. I was like, oh, shit. I wasn't drunk. So I remember the first thing I did when my car crashed, like there was all this smoke coming up. I'm like, oh, shit, I have Xanax in here. I'm like, I like found the drugs and I threw them, I threw them off the fucking highway. And then uh, I, I started walking oh, home and the guy's like, dude, I just saw that. Like, are you OK? Like, that was fucking crazy. I'm like, yeah, it's fine, man. I'll be all good. And then he's like, okay, well, the police are coming. I was like, fuck. So right when the police show up, I'm like, I'm not drunk. <laughs> and he's like, okay, like, all right, man. And they didn't breathalyze me or anything. I wasn't drinking, but I was definitely on, probably on Xanax and a whole bunch of other shit. <clears throat> but uh, right. they didn't really test for that. Like you can't, there's no no. breathalyzer for, for drugs. I hear they have one for marijuana now. I'm not sure about that other stuff unless they test your blood levels, but Moral of the story for that day was it can always get worse. <laughs> it can always get worse. So make make the so right decisions as, that you have control over to not make it worse. Like what the fuck was I doing driving to the casino? I wasn't I was making poor decisions, you know, and I kept putting myself in a bad spot. Right. So you were able to graduate Grand Valley. Okay. Um yep. and, and I know you went through uh, a phase out of college in in recent years where you really just stuck to drinking and smoking marijuana occasionally, right? And you kind of, yeah. you might have dabbled with harder stuff here and there, but mm-hmm. 
you haven't been doing shit like your college days. That's for sure. But correct because you were just doing the the alcohol and the marijuana. You're like, well, this is society can accept this. I'm not a a total train wreck right now, but I can still keep using and and function at at an opt not like a suboptimal level. Correct. You know, or like enough. Yeah. You know. So what? What caused you? So actually, I'd like the the listeners to know how how long have you been sober for? Yeah, I've been sober. So I'm coming up uh, next month on the 12th. Will be eight months. So I'm just over seven months. Congratulations! Uh, thanks, brother. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been yeah. Uh, it's been a good journey. So now, with all the backstory of you, you're pretty much half the backstory. <laughs> we can, half we the can backstory. go on, but yes, yeah, right, right. What? What led you to getting sober this time around? And why was it different than the other times? For sure. That's a great question. So this time around, um, like you said, John, I had a level of, I guess you could say, like, I don't want to put this like appearance, a uh, like appearance, appearance success. Like, yes, I held down a job. I had, I had strong friendships. I did activities outside of, of work and drinking. Like I had some sort of life, but, uh, you know, the, it was, it was very much, I'd say like a a binge, I was a binge drinker. So when I would go socialize and I would go on weekends, it would be, um, it would be like a lot of binge drinking, a lot of over drinking. And, um, and it was like, I was like, okay with that for a while. You know, I had a lot of, I had a lot of fun times, especially the last few years, my sister and I had a good group of friends. My, my parents had moved up north and we had access to their lake. So every time my parents would go, we'd throw like a three-day party at their place. And like, it was a lot of fun, dude. Like birthday parties, we had fucking jousting arenas. We would bring in like bands and fucking dunk tanks and shit. Like everything we did was like extra, like completely extra. And that was a lot of fun. It was a fun experience, you know, and alcohol was largely tied to that. And and like other party drugs and stuff like that, ketamine, but um. I was really afraid for a long time that giving up alcohol and drugs in general uh, were going to lead to a just really vanilla and boring life and that I myself would become a just a dull and I was just I, I don't know it was a lot of fear man there was a lot of fear in letting go of that and what I've seen now through this experience is I've gained I've gained everything back. Like I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine sacrificing what I have going on now and the relationships that I am building with people, new relationships, uh, like really doing a better job at exercising, being more adamant, more accurate, more precise, having more control and then no longer, right. No longer compromising with my lower self. Right. There was a lot of compromising when you do that kind of drinking and, and drug use your fucking Sundays are gone. If you're binge drinking on a Saturday night and you had plans to do shit on Sunday, you're not doing all the shit. You, you're not waking up early and going for a run. And if you are, you're a sociopath. <laughs> like, there's no way. And so there's, there's a level of compromise, man. And, you know, so I am working on, you've inspired me uh, a lot in recovery. You and Muncie, man, like you guys have been Great friends. Couldn't ask for better friends to have going through a transition like this. So I appreciate you and your writing in your book. And I realize that there's some stuff that I want, I want to communicate to and, and speak with, with the world. So one of those books is called uh, better Sundays. And that's a book that I'm working on right now. And that's about, there you go. and that's a big reason there is, I mean, that's one seventh, right. Of your life is Sunday. And if you're blowing one seventh of your life, like that's a huge loss, man. That's, that's like statistically oh, significant. Yeah. So getting better quality on that. But I mean, this time more than ever, dude, it was, there was like a kind of spiritual awakening that happened during my detox. It was, that was different than other, other detoxes. I, the gears had already been spinning. So, the, yeah, you know, I was going to say that you had a lot of really good wellness practices that you would always talk about, even while you were still doing yeah. the partying and the drinking, you know, you're, you're planning, like you'd work out occasionally, you'd hit diets and stuff like, like you've, like you said, you had this community aspect of things like you were doing a lot of really good work on yourself 
But like you were telling me on the phone multiple times, you're like, dude, I just like drink Friday and Saturday. And then my Sunday is fucking shot. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just too hungover to do anything else. Yeah. And uh, so I remember that. And I kind of want to ask what led up to getting sober the seven to eight months ago, though. Why? What what happened this time? For sure. So specifically what happened was I had we had played a show. Toad played a show and it, we had a fucking great time. It was awesome. And, you know, anyone knows me knows I'm very open about all this and, you know, I'm, I'm totally willing to share that in the podcast. So what had happened was I had a gram. I had about a gram. It was a half gram or a gram of, of heroin that I bought. And I had kept that for like a rainy day, right? Whatever the fuck that means. So after we played our toad show, I remember like, okay, I had this prize for myself waiting at my place. So I, I opened it up and I did some, and then that was off of the races for about two weeks with that. It lasted a lot longer than I thought the detox off that was rough. It was humbling experience. I had, while I was on it, I was still drinking too quite a bit. So, um, health, health problems from alcohol that I hadn't experienced in the past, right? There was a lot of this drinking and fun, but the gears were already turning about the quality of life aspect that we talked about. Right. But now it was becoming physical. John, I, I had like a acid reflux disease and I, I had this for a long time. And I gotta tell you, like someone with acid reflux disease, drinking is one of the fucking worst things you can do. So that finally caught up with me where I was uh, waking up in the middle of the night, like, <laughs> like I couldn't breathe. Like I literally couldn't breathe because of so much alcohol. I, it was doing something. I was like looking it up online and it says like, yeah, when you drink a lot, it can make your acid reflux bad to where you can't breathe. So I was waking up out of breath, unable to breathe. I thought I was going to like die in my sleep. So you're mixing the alcohol with the opiates, right? I was waking up. I was nodding out and waking up and already slow heart rate, unable to breathe. So there was some like in my head, like near death experiences on that. And that, that was scaring me quite a little bit. So a large majority of this initially was fear-based. It was a bit of fear-based recovery, but more than that, I had like acknowledged the fact that like, well, this time it's all me. No one knew about my issue with that, right? This was all something that I had going on. This wasn't mom and dad calling me, telling me I needed to do something. This wasn't my employer telling me I was going to lose my job. This wasn't school. This was like, and I'm like, I have an opportunity here to, to make a change for my higher self and be a better version of myself. And I know now I have all the tools. I've been implementing these tools slowly over the course of the last, say, like three or four years, right? Ever since an experience I had with Josh Harrison. But that's like, that's a little separate. But that was another spiritual awakening I had, right? There was all these levels of right. many, many spiritual awakenings that led me to this point, right? So I had the faith. I, I basically had faith at this point. I've seen it. I've seen you and Muncie do it. That I can live, I can live a fucking awesome life without drinking. I, I truly believe that I can. And and the drinking was the thing that was always bringing me back to the drugs, man. Like I liked drinking; it was socially acceptable. It was very easy to find some other stuff as well. But having had experiences through music, I I've never felt more alive and like a high that you get from being on stage and jamming and vibing with your friends and creating something, right? So I experienced that and I've experienced it sober and it felt really good. Right. So all these elements are telling me I've got all these great things going on in my life. I'm experiencing peace and spirituality and love and fun, like raw fun. And I know I can do it without the drugs and alcohol. I've got all these physical goals too. It's, it's like now it's like now time to pull the trigger, right? That and all the physical, it was just a perfect storm of like, everything that had happened leading up to that point and then looking at the future, like here's what's going to happen next. If I do these two, if I either, either one, right. Sobriety or continue down the route of drugs and alcohol, it'll be another rehab. It'll be or it'll be death. It'd be death. It'd be death or just me every 10 years doing okay, being mediocre and then falling back and then being mediocre and falling back. I would almost rather be fucking dead. (laughs) To be completely then, honest. Then have to live that cycle. Yeah, I'd rather yeah, be dead yeah. than live a mediocre existence, 100%. Right. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers it. It's a pretty 
in-depth explanation, but you should expect nothing no, no, less. <laughs> no, 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 that was, that was perfect. Um, so eight months ago, you finally pulled the trigger on, on something that you believed, you know, it was a long time coming. Yeah. Honestly. Um, now with, with where you're at now, now you're, you're, you're eight months into it. How does it feel? I feel great, man. But more importantly, I feel <laughs> like I actually feel <laughs> right. So not always right. great, but that's, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. You know, I, I know we were talking about, we were joking around a little bit before this, like we go, we go through stuff, right. I'm, I'm learning, but now I'm able to learn and reflect and be like, well, how come I don't feel great? Like, was there something I missed on my non-negotiables on my morning routine? Did I fucking scroll Instagram for 30 minutes too long today watching reels because that never makes me feel better. So like, are there, are there addicting <laughs> things? Am I, did I eat like shit? Did I, um, did I mistreat somebody earlier? Did I, right. Was I not being mindful? Was I not embracing my, my principles? So, you know, with a clear head, you're able to do that. If I'm drunk and I'm high, there's no, there's no growth. There's no learning from it. Right. But, uh, well, I'd, I'd like to say like when you internalize those questions, you actually, I, and in my opinion, when you're asking those really deep questions about your day, like, why am I feeling like shit? You know the answer. So in order to not face the answer, you drink, smoke and do drugs. Yeah. It's escapism. Instant like, gratification. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I have the answer, but I'm going to sweep it under the rug. Yeah. Really I've quick, got the answer, you know? but you know, this looks a lot more delicious right now. <laughs> right. Let's go do right. coke about it. I'll tell you the answer. Let me know about your coke. Yeah. We're going to start a business together. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, man. You know, so it was, so and, and that was the key thing we identified in, uh, in therapy, Muhammad and I, it was, you know, we, we wrote the lower self, higher self, which is, which has come up a few times. And the lower self was rooted in instant gratification, right? It's constant escapism. Right. It's, it's just everything. And, and people who suffer from the disease of addiction, addicts, alcoholics, it's, it is right. Very much a spiritual deficiency. It's not like alcohol or drugs are not, are not our problem. That's, that was the current no. stimulus, right? It, it was, it's very much, it goes deeper than that and it can manifest itself in so many areas of your life. So doing a deep dive spiritually, that's why 12 step programs exist. Uh, I myself, am not like adhering to a stringent 12 step program. I'm, I'm doing something slightly different, right? With my therapist that's, that's worked for him and it's working it's for of- me. And I know you do, it's right? Kind of like what I, it's kind, it's kind of like what yeah, I did too, for sure. Yeah. So it's and not to say that twelve steps aren't great. I've seen it help, like you know, at least people that I've met, uh, you know, tens if not hundreds of people. So uh, it's a it's a great program, and but at the core of it, right, it's a spiritual illness that we're combating. So um, really diving deep into that has has been a just. It's it's made this experience much more different, and then also having the tools that I've been slowly implementing, like meditation, gratitude lists, um, reading some of these books. Right, your brother Joe and I bonded over the fact that we had both read and enjoyed the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And it was a very influential book that helped get the right. gears rolling for me too. So a lot of good shit out there, man. A lot of great resources. And uh, if something's not working for you, or you don't have a, a great person that you feel is, is helping you get to that next level, they are out there. Fucking call, call, call me, man. Reach out. Like anyone listening to this, reach out to me, shoot me a message. Um, give me a call, shoot me a text. Uh, I, I truly do. One of my, one of my key purposes here is, is compassion and moving forward in, in my journey is, is to truly seek out and help and help others achieve uh, a sense of control over their own lives and their existence. So definitely here for that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Honestly, that's You're beautiful, awesome. John. <laughs> ah, I fucking love you, man. Hell yeah. Love you too, um, God damn. So how's your, how's the physical wellness going Fuck now that man. you're I'm a fucking beast, bro. I, I got, I got, I got I some work to go. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say I'm proud. I'm proud of you though. You're Thanks, consistent. Man. You're tracking everything. Yeah. You're, I'm doing you're, what you're doing Joe it. did. I was remember when you told me your brother tracked yeah. <laughs> every fucking macronutrient. I was like, that motherfucker's crazy. And I'm like, dude, that's like, <laughs> it's a way to do it though, dude. My therapist is like, you got to fucking track that shit. I was like, all right, dude, I'll, I'll give it a go. So oh, man, if, I got a lot of work to go. If you're looking for those, go ahead. if you're looking for those type of results, 
you have to track it like that. Dude, for sure. That's yeah. yeah if we track everything else and we do, you should track you should track the food you're eating. If you want the ultimate control, right? Like, if you track your finances or your you know your calendar for work, your meetings, your like whatever it is we do, everything should be measurable. You have to be able to measure it to know if you're hitting the metrics you want, and then if not, you got to adjust, right? So it's a science. Right. Everything, everything is. So um, the journey's Go- been good, man. It's, Goal achieving. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And it's it's the only way you can do it. Like, oh, I'm not getting results. Like, you know, yeah, you could go to the gym every day. If you eat like shit, you're fucked, man. You're not going to lose any weight. I did it for years. You know, you you you, yeah. you, you got to have like you got to have the the eating habits and the eating regimen. So it's been good, brother. I got a ways to go. I clocked in at 236.7 pounds two days ago. Uh, I believe at my heaviest earlier this year in March, I was 265. So I'm down about 30 pounds. Okay. Yep. Got about 20 more to go. Thanks, nice. brother. Yeah. I, 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 changed, I changed the goal from 220 to 200. I, I feel like I'd be a more comfortable 200. So I'm um, going to go to 200. I think you could do it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I know I can. It's, it's going to be different this time because 200 back in the day was 200, but it wasn't like a muscular 200 because I wasn't hitting the protein. I wasn't doing the macros. So this time, I, 200 on me is going to look a lot different than the last time I was 200, which shit was, was a long time ago. But uh, I'm excited, right. man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going. Zach's a fucking beast. I just saw his Strava today. He did like a 20-mile run yesterday. I was like, motherfucker. He's like running 20 miles at like, God, it was like nine minutes a mile. I'm like, how do these fuckers do that? You know, him, your brother. Nine-minute like, pace? Like for 20 Fuck. miles, man? I'm like, I don't know, dude. So – it's it's impressive. <laughs> it's good to be training with with guys like that because you know it makes you kick into next gear. So it's cool. It's been that's the right. Iron Man. Shout out to Zach Vandegrooch and Josh Harrison on that shit, dude. Like, uh, and both big inspirations. It all started Zach and I with a five k that we did like three years ago, or it was a ten k. And he's like, I want to do a ten k for my birthday. And I was like, are you fucking crazy, man? You know how far that is? And then he's like, dude, you got two weeks to train. And I was like, all right. So I, we did it. And I was like, holy shit, that was awesome. Like, we should do a half marathon and a triathlon. So he signed up right after that. We did that shit. I was like, we should do a marathon and a half Ironman. And he's like, okay. And then we did I was like, we should do an Ironman. And he's like, dude, all right, fuck it. So we got the Ironman October 23rd in Sacramento, California. And that's that's the next nice. milestone that we're training for right now. So it's been Hell cool, yeah. man. It's awesome. Next so, question. <laughs> next question. What else are you doing? Uh, protein. Lots of protein. Hob- doing the protein. Um, not now, Chief. I'm in the fucking zone. Um, um so what else you got on your on your plate for the future for Brandon? Yeah, man. What's, what's cracking? I know you got the better Sundays thing going. Sure. So yeah, we got toad. Yeah. Okay. We got um we've got the better Sundays thing going. So I've kind of started drafting out um, a basic idea of what I want that to look like. Some intros. I'm I'm basically putting thoughts to paper. That's a good, just a good starting point for me, man. It's very easy to get overwhelmed with all these concepts, right? Like you know the, the first thing about like a book, like. Writing a book, where the fuck do I start? <laughs> Just start, right? You're, what's cool about your book is it was a com- compilation of thoughts and ideas and journal entries, right? So that's just putting the pen to paper is the best way to start. So I've started that. Uh, we do, I still do have Mandarin tutoring. Um, I thought it was today. So I was actually on the call. I was like, wait a minute, this isn't until August 6th. So I scheduled her out. Like I was, yeah. I must have missed it today, but um, I try to do, according to my schedule, tutoring with my Mandarin tutor once a week. So we got that going, staying with the Mandarin Chinese studying. I volunteered just about every other Saturday morning for a nonprofit in my area, Saturday morning. So Saturday mornings usually look like I, I either wake up, do my morning routine and I go volunteer or I wake up, I do my morning routine. I go to the gym or do like a run or some sort of exercise. Right. And I found that that has really jumpstarted the quality of my weekends. So we've got that going on. Work is great. I fucking absolutely love my coworkers, management, my boss, my VP. We have an awesome team this year on um, the, the Detroit crew, Grand Rapids crew, Cleveland, like everyone is so in line. It's, it's very rare at an organization, especially like, uh, you know, a large organization, like the company I work at to find such uh, I guess like overlap of 
values and sense of community, right? You like every, there's all like these jokes and memes about like, Oh, we're like a family here. And like everybody fucking says that like every job you tries to compare it to a family, but I have never once worked at a company where I have felt so okay being unapologetically myself with my boss. Like they all know, like everything we talked about on this podcast, everybody knows I work with. That's fucking crazy, right? That's like people yeah, like, I can't believe crazy. you you, to- you opened up so much. Like you probably shouldn't tell people that. I don't give a fuck. And they know I don't give a fuck. And that's why they hired me. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, okay, if, if you don't like it, then I guess I have to go. Like I don't like, but we like there's that love, respect, and openness and that understanding, right? And we're all on the same page. And I'm just super, super fortunate to uh to be at the you know the organization i'm at and with with the team that i have so work is good man i'm gunning down goal-wise president's club looking to go to president's club which is for people who are non-sales people president's club is an annual trip that is awarded to the highest performing sales representatives at a company so in order to do that i've got my goals written down specific like sales targets goals quotas and uh, metrics that i have to hit and that'll be in greece uh, on a cruise ship. It'll be like a Greece cruise. Ooh. Yeah. So I'm pretty stoked about that, Ooh. man. Um, so just continuing to put, you know, put, uh, put the gas to the, to the floor there and just fucking dial that in. And uh, nice. Toad, right. We got Toad. We got a few shows coming up. We got three shows coming up next month. We're doing practice once a week. So that'll require some extra practice on my end. You know, twice a week with the sacks is be, is like a good, is a good amount for me to, to do, to make sure that I'm doing the things I need to do to dial it in song right. creation. We're going to be setting, setting aside time together as a band to develop new songs and get experimental. Right. So we've got that going on. Let's see what else, man. <laughs> I'm tired just talking about all of it. And then I have the pleasure of, of and then I got the pleasure of talking with my, my awesome friends, man, like you and staying in touch. Right. Whether oh, it's yeah. used at, like, I'm not going to name all my friends because I'll forget someone. Someone will get upset. <laughs> so I'm not going through the list. Right, right, it, right. This isn't a fucking Academy Award speech, but uh, it's cool being able to call someone that I love every day and be able to shoot the shit with them for 30 minutes to an hour. I, I make that a point. That's super important, right? Being a, a relationship oriented individual. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much what's going on, man. I uh, Oh, I do go to AA meetings once a week. So I attend that fellowship just to stay in touch with the with the community. Therapy once a month with Mohammed. So I just got that scheduled down. Ironman trainings. I Sutton's Bay with Zach next month. We're going to do a half Ironman. Then the following month we're going to do a two thirds Ironman, and then the following month is the full Ironman in Sacramento. So we've got a training regiment for that. I think that's pretty much it, man. Yeah, I've got like a lot of free time, so just you know. Yeah, sounds like it. It's like, I'm just Honestly. fucking, I'm just winging it, bro. I'm just fucking chilling. <laughs> now I've, I've seen, I've seen your planner. You're definitely not winging it. You pretty much post that every day on Instagram. I, that, that's been a new development. Um, thanks to Mohammed, he was like, "Hey, man, it's important to promote these sort of things. People, people will benefit from this. They'll reach out. It gives you an opportunity to possibly monetize in the future off of this personal development that you're doing. You could teach courses." do a podcast, right? Something on sales. He's like, whatever, but it's good to show that. And he's like, but most importantly, it serves as an excellent tool for accountability. So like, oh yeah, shit. I, I got a whole, I got 30 followers that watch this, these videos, bro. I got to fucking post my shit. <laughs> I got to stay on top of it. Yeah, right. I better eat good there today. Go. I got 30 people going to ask me, like, hey, <laughs> why didn't you post your fucking food today? <laughs> what did you eat? Did you, did you eat some fucking Wendy's? You got it all over your face. <laughs> you know, so it's you need that accountability. It's though. important, man. We have to. No matter yeah. how high performing we are, we're constantly battling a lower version of ourselves that's telling us, fuck it. Who gives a shit? Like, you you got to have some sort of accountability, man. You got to have it. It's important. Yeah, I've I've just gotten back into that account accountability recently too with uh with uh working out and dieting again. So okay. um, every time I goals? get hurt, um, what are some of my goals? With, uh, with at least we'll start know, with the physical I, stuff because I know you were doing a lot of basketball uh, and you were like you were wanting to gain weight, right? Right. So. Here's the problem I've run into in 2023, Brandon. Excuses? I, 
didn't make any fucking goals. No, it's not oh, even okay. excuses. I just didn't make any fucking, just no goals, goals you okay. know? Uh, I had this, you have these visions of like dreams, you know, or like things you want to accomplish, almost fantasies, because they're fantasies unless they have goals attached to them and things to reach, right? Yep. And the year has been, and not even just like my year, friends, family, people I've talked to, uh, that have hit me up on on Instagram, like that are fans of the podcast. I've talked to a lot of people this year, and 2023 has been, for whatever reason, pretty difficult. Um, I don't know if that has anything linked to inflation. People have less money. <clears throat> life changes are happening. Life has been very stressful, right? And that is an excuse, in in my opinion. Um, but I started to crumble a little bit in terms of my goals. You know, I was just doing the bare minimum. I'm like, I've got this podcast, you know, I'm active here and there. I've got vacations planned, you uh-huh. know, just whatever. I was just kind of like on autopilot, you know, and I don't operate like that. And I've noticed that over the last couple months that if I don't have goals, I don't enjoy life. I don't, I didn't, I don't enjoy the podcast, I don't enjoy writing. I don't enjoy basketball. I don't enjoy anything if I don't have a goal to reach. That That's just how I I think now, mm-hmm. you know, or what I've come to. Because the last six to seven months, it's like, damn, dude. Then I get a little too nihilistic, you know, because mm-hmm. oh, I'm yeah. like, what is really the point if I don't have the... You know how I get, I know right? how you get. <laughs> Nihilism. Yeah, I know how I... Yeah, so then I'm like, what's the fucking point? You know, I don't have any goals to reach anyway, so who gives a shit, right? Okay. So now I'm here. At the end of July, and it's my mission. My goal is to make some goals. Kill it, kill it. Well, make some goals. Yeah, my goal is to make some goals. That's a really right? great goal, dude. Make some like, goals. That's attainable, right? And that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Um, and I think other than making goals as my goal, my next goal is to use the next four months of the year to lay a really good foundation again, a foundation that I had. Before I started smoking tobacco um, habitually the last year, it was on and off. Cigars, right? So I'd say for the last cigars, yeah. So for the last year, I'd probably, or 10 months, I'd say I've had five months of smoking and five months of not smoking, right? Or not using nicotine. So it's been 50-50 and it's been extremely suboptimal in my opinion, right? So I'm trying to not do that probably ever again. If I quit nicotine this time, I'm probably... Like I don't see a point in going back to it. Probably, I've already, probably I've, does is is not the uh, the verbiage for someone who is the certain. answer. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you're not so sure that's, yet. That's you're also not sure the problem. Yet. You can acknowledge no, that you're not that's sure. That's the yet. problem I'm running into. Yeah. See, well, the issue is if I have like a large, if I have a couple acres in uh, with my house on it, I've wanted to grow tobacco. I've wanted to cure oh, it myself. Oh, really? No, can't, no. Yeah, I've wanted to like try it because like what I'm smoking, I don't know what they spray on it. Yeah. Uh, you know, just like the it's somebody else's corporation. It's like I'd really like to see how it's done. I, I don't know how, no, how to explain cool. that. That's why I'm only saying probably. It's like, well, have you done it in your to video game? It, uh, wait. <laughs> have you grown wait, tobacco which, oh, in your you video mean, game? Uh, <laughs> Stardew Valley? No, there's, I don't think there's any tobacco. There's no in tobacco across. No. So that could be a good <laughs> no, starting no. point to see if you like it. <laughs> I know, right? My the eight bit tobacco plant that I'm growing because it, it's pretty. Uh, this is pretty good retro. Shit. Um, That's cool. So okay. my goal is to physical goal is to gain another ten pounds of muscle. Actually, if I was going to say a goal, it is to work out consistently even though I might not be playing basketball. Does that look like every day for you? Was it, or is it like five times five a week? Five days a week. I feel like five days a five week is solid, week. man. That's, that's solid. Right. My my issue days. is the the, pe- the peak of my physical wellness all came while I was hooping a lot, but I was working out five days a week and hooping like three days a week. So I had like almost six days of being active with one day rest. And I did that for like five to six months. How'd you straight. feel? And I was in some... I was in the best shape of my life. How'd you feel? Um, along with, I felt amazing. But the problem is, I got hurt in basket. I get hurt a lot. I roll an ankle. My okay. knee gets fucked up, and it, I internalize it as the nihilism comes around, and it's just like, mm-hmm. well, why work out? We can't hoop, 
you know? Mm-hmm. So then I go through a month or two of not working out, right? Okay, so my you. goal is to change it into, I just need to find a way to stay active no matter what, even if I'm not hooping. Yeah, find some, maybe know, try some other that's, shit that's, 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 that's less intensive for you. Like, so when Josh uh, was running a lot, he fucking snapped his foot while he was running and he kept running because he, yeah. he was fucking crazy. And uh, he snapped his foot. <laughs> so he had that fucking boot on his foot and he did that. He did the bike. He did the bike thing and he did a little bit of swimming. He didn't like swimming as much, but he kind of got into the bike aspect and he said that that was, that helped alleviate some of the, uh, you know, some of the yeah. pain from not being able to run. So yeah, just, you know, right. It'd be a good opportunity of exploration for you to, to seek out other options and step out of your comfort zone because it, it sounds like basketball is a very comfortable thing for you. That's like your shit, you know? So I, I started using that when I first got sober you know, that was like definitely my thing. I'm just going to go to the gym. And even if I'm not playing against people, I'm just going to shoot around for an hour and a half with my headphones in. It's almost like a meditation for me cool. um, to just get in that state. Um, I also might get get on a baseball team either in the fall or next year. Well, yeah, and we might actually we might actually get a basketball team together. So I've realized that I need like some sort of like competition. I can't just like yeah. go to the gym five to six days a week. You know, that's sure. not. I need an activity, yeah. you know, and, uh, now I, now I know that. So, cool. um, the other goal, I'd, I'd like to finish the second book by the end of the year. Nice. Too. Damn um, dudes. You're cooking it so, up. So I've got around like, uh, 20 to 25,000 words. Uh, the other 5,000 are notes in my phone that I have to, okay. but 20,000 is in a document already. It's not too organized, but I have a good portion of the book done. Cool. You know, I need to. I need to add, organize, and whatever. And I know if I really hammered it out in the next four months, like I can, I can do it by the start of the new year. I'm How much time do that. you spend a week writing for uh, for your book? Um. So <clears throat> here's the thing: I have been on and off with writing the last two months, and it's been linked to me not working out or staying active. Right. Um, emotionally, mentally, physically, if, if things aren't in line, I don't feel like writing. Cause sometimes okay. if I'm down in the dumps, For I sure, write man. about being down. I write about being down in the dumps and I was already yeah. super edgy emo kid for 12 years, poetry and all that stuff. So I've kind of wanted to get away from the down in the dump shit. Cause I've written about it a lot. Yeah. Right? It's also not good and for you mentally. It's, it's actually exactly not good to write about how um, shitty you feel. Month- you'll, you'll feel shittier. Yeah. <laughs> in the month of May, I had, a bit of a, also a little bit of a, an awakening, spiritual awakening where in three, in three months or sorry, three weeks during May, I wrote those 25,000 words in three weeks. They just poured, they just poured out. Like I could not stop. It was, it was, it was crazy. Um, now I need to organize it and make it, um, articulate, I should say. So how many uh, hours would you say that that was? to, to type those, uh, 25 or write those 25,000 words. I probably spent at least two hours a day, not every single day, but it was, dude, probably, I I can't even tell you because it was almost like I was in the twilight zone. (laughs) You just fucking dialed in. You're in the zone and time doesn't even pass. Here's the thing throughout the day. Like I'm whipping out my phone in my notes in my iPhone, like I have 1500 notes in it. I would fucking 200 words here, get home, type it up, maybe another two to 300 wow. words here and there. Like for, for three straight weeks, like my brain would not fucking So that's stop. how your process and, is then. Cause I was curious. So like you just like on the fly, you pull out your phone. Like if you feel something, you're typing it. You're not like sitting down at a fucking coffee shop or in your, or in your office right here. Like, okay, now is writing time. And you just start writing. It's- uh, I, I do have those times whenever I sit down with like a spiral notebook, when I sit down and I get comfortable in a desk, I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to write, you know, um, I do have those times, but also when something comes to me, I'm writing it in my phone immediately because I might be sitting in traffic or I might be sitting at my desk and I'm like, I have to put this down or I'll forget it. That's how, yeah. That's how music Uh, happens. Like songs, songs for me, right. It's like you're doing dishes and you're like, Oh, that's fucking stupid enough for me to rate my phone. Like, I guess it would be. (laughs) Yeah. And that's okay. That's good to hear, man, because that's where I've been struggling right with the book is I've been just setting time aside, like time blocking each week. But sometimes when you're not in the zone, you're not in the zone. And 
perhaps Dude, perhaps if it happens more authentically like that it would you would get further right honestly in the times where i've tried to set aside time for writing i've failed even more <laughs> horribly when i have told myself i'm doing it for two hours between one and three o'clock today and i get to one o'clock and i'm like nope yeah and i'm just like at two o'clock i'm like nope so i've noticed that the the create the creativity you have to just let it happen when it happens. There, now here's the thing: setting aside that time to maybe work on organizing the writing for the book, that's fine because that's more rational, logical. It's like I'm making an outline and stuff like that. Sure. But when you're talking about actually producing the content, uh, in my experience, just letting it go whenever it comes to you is easy or easier. For sure, I should say. You're right, man. It's like, it's what, uh, you know, some people talk about, it's like the flow state when you're really in a flow state where you're just, you're transitioning from things and everything's natural and you just pull out your phone, you type, 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 you put it back down, you go on to your thing. Like you're constantly doing shit. That's progressing those goals and driving it forward. Right. That's cool. Right. Um, and my last goal is by this time next year, I'd like to get a thousand downloads per episode on my podcast or a thousand listens per episode. Oh, so am I supposed to be downloading this shit? I thought you just listened to it. No, it, it's <laughs> called a download when people play it. Oh, okay. Um, got you. I was like, man, I've been yeah. fucking you over, bro. I was like, <laughs> sorry, I didn't know. Like, no. I've been like pirating like all your shit. <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, I listened to it yeah, on a CD. To get to it. <laughs> I, I can honestly burn them all my podcast episodes on CDs and hand them out to people at the mall. Like yeah, my so mixtape, it's like you know? like your mixtape, dude. <laughs> like the one guy who was handing out his mixtape at McDonald's. He's putting them in Happy Meals and he got fired. Fucking legendary. Yeah, that is legendary. <laughs> what a great way to go out. Cool man. Right. Those are some fucking awesome goals. So, do you have any tips for the listeners on if they might be struggling with? addiction or if they're just struggling with not having control of their life like yeah, you wanted to help people absolutely man. control of that get back to the basics so um basics short term a good short-term fix that anyone can do at any given second that doesn't require too much cognition is clean your environment look at where where you're at right whether that's your house your car where you're spending time fucking clean that environment that's a great a great first thing to do right and then second, move your body. Get the fuck out of your house. Go for a walk. Doesn't have to be, you don't have to go run a marathon. Go for a walk. Do some push-ups, right? Go go move the body. Clean the environment, move the body. Now, the second thing that I would say for people that are looking at actually creating sustainable long-term change is to first write down lower self, higher self. Acknowledge that you have two selves, right? We got the self that operates at a higher frequency and we have the self that operates on a lower frequency. Acknowledge those, recognize those, talk to your lower self. What is, what is that self about, right? And write it down, break it down, grab a piece of paper, you fold that shit in half, open it up, lower self, higher self on one side and write that out and get detailed, right? What, what does that look like? What are some of those habits? What are the you know, core values of your higher self? What is it that your lower self does? Is it smoking, drinking? Is it, you know, engaging in pornography? Is it lying, stealing, cheating? Is it uh, whatever, man? You know, we all, whatever it is that you, that your higher self does, that's that's preventing your higher self from action, right? Write that down. And then same with your higher self. Like, what does that look like? What are the things that uh, bring you enjoyment, right? Whether it's community or listening to others or helping people or volunteering, um, investing, it, it, it can be, it has to, it, but it has to be all rooted in your intent, right? Because a lot of the times, let me give you an example. Okay. So there could be something that for one person could be higher self. There could be, that could be a lower self or somebody else, right? If we're using, say, right. so let's say, let's say music, let's say, um, saxophone playing saxophone so if i've got shit to do that i don't want to do or i'm frustrated or i'm annoyed and i don't want to deal with something and i pick up my saxophone and i start playing that would actually be lower self in that point in time because i'm using my saxophone as escapism from the act from the reality of of a situation right so we have to make sure that we're not 
attributing things that can be good. And, and then, you know, our intent is shifted as, as a form of, of instant gratification or isolation. It could be isolation as well, right? The ro- yeah. And the wrong intent. hundred percent, the wrong intent, right? Difference between solitude and isolation. And, uh, that was something I struggle with, right? Lower self, not myself, lower self. And you have to create that distance too, because it's really easy to say, oh, I struggle with this, or I do this, or I'm a blank. I'm a this. No, lower self, higher self. My lower self finds comfort in isolation. So, but my higher self will find comfort in solitude. Solitude is the intent. I'm choosing to utilize this beautiful atmosphere and create something of peace and tranquility for myself. Isolation is going to be, I'm running away from things. I feel bad. I feel negative. I turn my phone off. I don't want anyone to call me. I'm just, I'm sad and I'm depressed. I want to lay in bed and fucking die, right? That's lower self. So understanding that fundamentally will be the stepping stones for someone um, changing and then recognizing the patterns of each one. So yeah, that would be the advice I would give. I think that's some great ass advice, honestly, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think this is a motherfucking good conversation. <laughs> yeah, dude, it always <laughs> fucking is, baby. Let's As go. usual. Um, so I appreciate you coming on, brother. Dude, I love, uh, love you to death. You too, man. Love your story, man. L- love everything you're trying to do and everything you are doing. Um, still to come. Really excited to see what uh, Brandon Kachuk has in store for uh, helping himself and the world. It's going to be a beautiful thing. One day at a time, man. Um, and this was this time. was higher self shit. Uh, I, John, like, Hell thank yeah. you, man. I feel a lot better. I was a little bit in a rut. Like, I went for a run this morning. I did all my non-negotiables and morning routine, but I felt like I don't know. I felt a little bit off and this certainly has helped. Um, this has helped me feel better. So I appreciate it, man. I'm right there with you, honestly. So this helped me just as much as it helped you. And I'm super stoked to have it help all of my listeners as well. So, uh, thanks for coming by. Um, guys can follow him on Instagram, align your minds for all that good wellness practices and stuff. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the channel and follow. And uh, thanks for sticking around. We'll see you soon. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Feel Free. If you haven't already, please give us a rating or a review as it does help new listeners find our show so more people can get in on some feel-free goodness. Again, we appreciate all the love and support from you all. Hope you have a good rest of your day.